Hello and welcome to the journalism.co.uk podcast. I'm Catalina Albanu and in this episode we're going to be talking about the podcasting market and what you need to know when you start a podcast. Welcome to our podcast about podcasts. Well-known shows such as This American Life, Pod Save America, Freakonomics and the suite of NPR or BBC shows are captivating audiences all around the world. We all know the podcasting market is growing and as more people tune in to listen to audio on demand, the ad market is also growing. Nick Newman, a research associate at the Reuters Institute for the Study of Journalism, looked into how people listen to podcasts around the world how many of them tune in, what they listen to, and in what context. One of the challenges he found in his research was the very definition of podcasting and what people referred to when they said they listened to podcasts. Was it simply talk radio accessed online? He presented some of his findings at the News Rewired Digital Journalism event in July. In this podcast, Journalism.co.uk has curated some highlights from his talk, shedding light on what can be a difficult part of the media world to get reliable metrics on. In terms of the percentage of people who access a podcast at least monthly across the 22 countries, the average was 34%, so around one in three, uh, which, is, uh, which, which is pretty high, I think. But you can see there are quite a lot of variations. So at one end, you've got sort of South Korea, where over half said that they'd accessed it. Uh, and then in the United States, uh, 33%. Uh, US, of course, has been at the heart of a lot of the podcast innovation. Uh, and actually, interestingly, the UK much lower, at 18% along with the Netherlands. I, I think some of this is to do with those definitions. So uh, as you know, in the UK, a lot of the on-demand listening is done via BBC iPlayer radio. It's not called podcasting in that context. Maybe many people don't think of it, about it as, as podcast. But I think there's little doubt that there is more podcast listening in the US than the UK, but maybe not by quite that amount. Uh, just looking at the categories of podcast in more detail, so this is again, it's an average across all of the countries, but we didn't see much difference between countries. And we see a pretty even split between, uh, say, news and politics at the bottom there, uh, around 14%. Lifestyle content, uh, very popular, so food or fitness or the arts, uh, specialist subjects. So we've been hearing about science and technology. This is a, a really big thing in, in, in podcasting. Uh, crime, that's where you might find Serial or S-Town or some of those amazing US series. And uh, sport was done before the World Cup, so it could be about six times that amount right now. Uh, and you can also see the gender split for, for the various different types of content, which are pretty much in line with what we see for different genres anyway. Um, who uses uh, podcasts? Well, for me, this is, this is the really striking chart uh, from the research. So what we're looking at here is the age breakdown for those using podcasts monthly. That is the blue. And those using radio news weekly, which is the orange. Now, there's a slightly unfair comparison weekly against monthly. But even so, I think those uh, generational differences are extraordinary. So you see that essentially pretty much half of uh, under 35 say that they're accessing a podcast at least monthly whereas only around uh, a quarter or so say that they're accessing uh, radio news. And that's, you know, I've been talking to quite a lot of people about podcasting recently. I was talking to one young person, uh, um, young professional, 
uh, last week, and uh, he is obsessed with podcasts. So he's listening to podcasts all the time. He wakes up with podcasts, probably listens to three or four different podcasts. Uh, uh, he doesn't really care where they come from. It's all about the, the, the quality. He says it's actually his main source of information, and he told me he never listened to radio news. So he was quoting a whole load of podcasts at me, which I knew to be radio programs, and he just knew to be podcasts. He said he wasn't interested in the schedule. He had no idea. So I think, I think what we're seeing is a lot of young people un discovering uh, speech radio in many ways, speech audio, for the first time through podcasts, which I think is very interesting. Uh, so what is the context for podcasts? Where do people listen? So this is kind of the archetypal image, I guess. So you're listening on the, on the daily commute. Uh, if anyone tried to do that a few years ago, it was pretty much impossible to hear anything with the headphones. So actually this just shows you how technology is one of the factors that's changed this. So noise-canceling headphones has made it a lot easier to listening to speech podcasts on the tube, for example. Uh, but people also talk about, um, uh, obviously, the cards is always where, where audio has been very important. Uh, but people talk about listening when they're in the gym or when running. It's a perfect way to exercise the mind at the same time as the body. And then there's um, you know, a lot of, of use in the home. We shouldn't, I mean, most podcasting listening probably now is in the home. I don't have data on that, but uh, people talk about doing it when cooking, um, when doing the housework, just like people listen to the radio at home. And here's a quote, you know, listening while, while cleaning the bathroom. So just a quick word about the business of podcasts. So the business of podcasts is, is really sort of just emerging. A lot of people do it from their bedroom. They do it for free. It, it's not sort of seen as a public service or a hobby. But for many other people, this is sort of serious, serious business. Uh, and um, currently, most models are essentially free to air. So it's either supported by sponsorship or by advertising. And this is, this is partly because, of course, these are models that have worked in radio for many years. Uh, it's been proven in linear radio, but also because uh, many of the platforms don't really offer support for other things or su for subscription. So it is hard to charge directly via Apple or Spotify and all the rest of it. So that's another factor which is, which is pushing the models. Advertising revenues are building uh, quite rapidly. So in the US, around $200 million uh, now. So that's up from about $117 million a year ago, so almost doubling. And part of the reason why the advertising business is growing is because the targeting is better and because the data that we're now getting back from the providers and the aggregators is getting better. So Apple launched their beta version, and that, for the first time, really gave us that evidence that the majority of people are listening the whole way through podcasts. So it's not just that young people are accessing podcasts, it's they're listening, and they're listening for long periods of time. They're properly engaging with the audio medium. And uh, it's not all about advertising, though. So many publishers are really seeing podcasts differently. It's more about how do you drive that loyalty? How does it how is it part of a package, or how is it good for marketing of the other services that you provide, so for cross-promotion of different things. So many publishers are looking at it like that. Um, for example, Slate gives exclusive and ad-free content, audio content, as part of its premium layer. And the New York Times, uh, as you may have seen, has been experimenting also with giving early access. So. The big distribution has to happen through Apple, but they can still give first access to their own subscribers as they did with uh, Caliphate in April this year. So again, delivering a bit more value to people who are subscribing and paying. Sukhandrika Chakrabarti, a freelance journalist who previously worked at Trinity Mirror, started up a podcast about the Black Mirror series last year. 
Black Mirror Cracked achieved 150,000 listens during its five-month run. The nature of the series, where each episode is independent and people can start watching at any point, gave Black Mirror Cracked a more evergreen edge. Some strategic choices made by the production team, as well as an interview with showrunner Charlie Brooker, also send the show on its way to success. In a spotlight talk at News Rewired, she highlighted the key elements the team considered before starting with Black Mirror Cracked. The great thing is then that every time someone watches an episode, they can come and listen to the podcast afterwards. So we're getting new listeners all the time. And um, part of our distribution strategy when we started the podcast, it was December 2017 when we put it out. We went for the same day that season four dropped on Netflix. So it's December the 29th. So I was in the office over Christmas. It was fun. And uh, we got 20,000 listens in that first week. And a couple of reasons for that was that Apple, in its infinite mystery, decided to put our podcast on the front page of iTunes. It was under the binge-worthy carousel, which is about halfway down. And it also went straight to number two in the TV and film charts. And again, I can't tell you exactly why Apple did that, but I've got some ideas why. I think having Charlie Brooker on the podcast really helped. So we put out um, one podcast for each of the six episodes in season four, and then a bonus seventh with this 20 minute interview that I did with Charlie and Annabelle Jones, who's, who's his co-creator. And we also pulled out all of Charlie Brooker's um, descriptions of all the season four episodes and put them at the top of each podcast episode. So the first voice you hear is Charlie Brooker saying, this is a Scandi noir type thing. He didn't swear much more than that, actually, thankfully. Um, but him kind of saying, this is what the episode looks like, this is what I think, here we go. And I do think that if the Apple iTunes people are listening to podcasts, they're hearing his voice and going, right, this is a legit podcast, let's, let's put it somewhere prominent. So if you have access to any stars, if you're you know, your showbiz team, if you have yourself, think about what those voices can lend to your podcast. They might give them more legitimacy, they might get them a little bit higher up in the rankings. It's one to think about. So... First thing to think about, I think this is what we've talked about all day so far, and um, both Nick and Albertine mentioned this, but it's your audience, who are they? And that's why I asked this room, if you watch Black Mirror. So definitely journalists. Um, I would say what I was thinking of is I'm, I'm one of the audience, I love Black Mirror, but the kind of person who's watching Black Mirror and then wants to listen to a podcast, what, what else do they read? What else do they listen to? Has anyone got any ideas? There's no answer to this, but who am I thinking about? Are they reading The Guardian? They're probably Guardian readers, aren't they? They're probably reading The Guardian. Um, they might cycle to work. They might listen to this on the gym or on the tube. Um, what else do they do? They probably listen to NPR a little bit. They like a bit of This American Life. They're probably quite big podcast consumers. And one of the great things about Black Mirror is that it's a really intense show full of philosophical questions, moral quandaries, um, really horrifying endings a lot of the time, lots of twists. And what you feel like afterwards when you watch Black Mirror is you want to talk to someone about it. And that's what the podcast was really giving to people. We were saying, don't worry, you're not on your own. The world's not going to end tomorrow. Although with Charlie Brooker's track record, it, it probably will end when he says it will. Um, if he says something about Prime Minister, it might happen. Um, but yes, yeah, so we were looking at an audience that consumes other kinds of media, but we're offering them something quite niche. This is all about Black Mirror for about half an hour. Come and join us and see what you think. So your audience is really important. You should think about them first. 
offering a package deal. Um, so you saw the logo at the beginning of the presentation. That was one of the guys on our picture desk who's a big Black Mirror fan. He made sure that our title, Black Mirror Cracked, could fit into a tiny logo. That means when people find the podcast on iTunes, it's all there. Like, think about it. That's what someone has to go with when they're deciding whether to listen to your podcast or someone else's. They're on their phone. They're doing something else. Oh, that looks pretty decent. Or they're searching for something they're interested in as well. So don't forget about SEO. There's a reason I called it Black Mirror Cracked and not something, something Black Mirror. People are searching for Black Mirror because it came out on Netflix. Also, when it first came out, we had a huge American audience. And the reason for that, I think, is the Charlie Brooker element when they listen to it. British accents talking about Black Mirror probably as well. There was, there was another, there was a couple of Black Mirror podcasts when we started this. One was called Ginger Mirror, and I still haven't worked out what that one's about. But there was one for the psychology of Black Mirror, and I thought, oh, this is really good. This is going to beat us. And the first episode was two hours long. There lies the problem. Yes, no, 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 exactly. So you want to aim for like twi 25 to 45 minutes, but it's got to be good stuff. Um, and yeah, other, other things we thought of, so guests, I had, what I did, two, two kinds of podcasts, one was analysing episodes, and that's when I got in a lot of my colleagues from Trinity Mirror, now, now Reach PLC, and there was a lot of enthusiasm again amongst them to come in and talk about it, and then also I went to the actors in the show, and with Black Mirror, the IMDB for Black Mirror goes on for days because it's a different cast for every show, and I went through all of that, went to Celebrity Intelligence, which is where you can find their reps, contacted all of them. I even tried Jodie Whittaker, and her reps came back with, I'm so sorry, but she is filming the new series of Doctor Who. She's quite busy. Why are you replying to me? But the fact is that people, people can be very enthusiastic about podcasts because it's not like a junket interview where their PRs are sort of sitting there saying, no more questions. They could come on, people talk to you for an hour and a half at times sometimes. Usually the best stuff was in that last sort of half an hour. Um, yeah, so think about all of these things and how are you going to get over 10, over 20 episodes. No one wants to start with a podcast and just have five episodes and have it end. Us doing 30, I suppose, is a, a decent run. Um, but we have still left people wanting, which is a nice thing. But you really want to think how far can you go with your podcast. Ah, oh, news or evergreen. So who listens to news podcasts or gets their news from podcasts? Yeah. Well, what, what we did with Black Mirror um, was think about how can we make a podcast evergreen? And because it's always there, the show on Netflix, um, it means that people can dip in any time they've watched the show and listen to the podcast. It doesn't mean we don't talk about news ever. Um, a couple of times like when Trump announced his visit to the UK, which he is doing tomorrow, and um, when Mark Zuckerberg sat in front of the congressional hearings, those linked really closely to Black Mirror episodes, so I pulled those out of the schedule and pulled them earlier, so they linked in with the news. The technical side, so you don't need that much tech. We used um, Apple Mac, Laptop, Audacity, which is free and comes with a Mac. We used a Blue Yeti mic, but I'd suggest a Blue Raspberry, so it's hand size and you can take it around with you, so you don't be lugging this thing that big around. Um, I had a techie colleague called Daniel Jackson who produced the podcast for me, which I'm very lucky to have. He taught me how to edit. But if you're not sure and you're scared of the tech, try Facebook and go to the podcaster supporter group and just ask your questions in there. They will help you. And the last thing, promoting on social, that's where you'll find more of an audience. So your original audience will be there looking for you on iTunes, but a lot of people won't be. But you'll find them talking about, for instance, Black Mirror on Reddit. So there are loads of Reddit re-watching threads. And I sort of went in there and was like, hi, but I didn't go, here's my podcast. So it doesn't really work like that. You couldn't walk into a room and you wouldn't do that in real life. 
So I went in, used my real name, used Sachandrika, and then I ended up with people saying to me, are you the Sachandrika who writes the Daily Mirror? I've read your reviews. Have you got a podcast now? And so what I ended up doing was private messaging certain people who seemed excited and giving them bits of the podcast and saying, do you want to have a listen? And they became ambassadors for the podcast. So find your audience, find your crew who are talking about your subject. They will be so excited to hear that you're doing this. Invite them on if you can. And um, a tip from me, you know those videos you see with the waveform on them in a static picture that advertises podcasts? That's called Headliner App. I would definitely use that. It has amazing click-through on social. You can make um, vertical, horizontal, or square videos that covers all social platforms. And when we use it, we've got brilliant click-through. You've been listening to the Journalism.co.uk podcast. Our next News Rewired event takes place on the 7th of November in London and tickets and more information about the programme are available on newsrewired.com. And before you go, here's our video features editor Caroline Scott with stories you may have missed on journalism.co.uk in the past week. Hi, I'm Caroline Scott with your weekly journalism news update. A new survey from the European Journalism Centre's News Impact Network is aiming to find out what journalists are doing to prevent overwhelm in the newsroom. It's hoped the results will contribute to finding ways to make our industry more sustainable. Google has awarded €21 million Euros to 98 media projects in Europe as part of its Digital News Innovation Fund. The fifth round of the DNI Fund focused on monetization and diversifying revenue streams. In a bid to engage younger readers, The Economist has been promoting visual storytelling through Instagram. It's looking to use the platform to cultivate a broader audience while producing a visual representation of its brand through images and videos. Francesca Dean, an aspiring journalist with cerebral palsy, is one of 10 finalists of ITV's Breaking Into News Mentoring Programme, a six-week training course covering all aspects of broadcast journalism. She told us about her drive to tell mental health stories and fight against the stigma around working as a journalist with a disability. The Economist has been experimenting with augmented reality, using Snapchat to help audiences explore what the future of food might look like. The publisher hopes to evaluate the opportunities in AR and figure out how it can be used to better engage audiences. And finally, are journalists missing out when it comes to closed groups on social media? The BBC's Mark Frankel outlines his findings about closed Facebook groups, WhatsApp groups, Discord and Reddit in this week's podcast. And that's all from me. See you next week.